please hear me. There is a massive thunderous statement. God is glory. God is holiness. God is righteous. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, whether you're joining us here in person or online. Man, we are fired up to be going after Jesus Christ, to be making much of him. It is all about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... Amen, man, it's a huge deal. We got to grasp that. Church is about rallying together to glorify the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. May it be all about Him, right? So, hey, we're in a series here. And this series is called The Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. We're walking through Revelation chapters 4 through 19. The thunderous sevens, like everywhere that God is moving, as we look into end time stuff, you're going to see the number seven all over it. That's his fingerprint. The thunderous sevens, and then the copycat, Satan running around like, I want to be like the most high and giving a lame copycat at best to what God is doing. And man, too many people focus on the copycat moments, the evil moments, or even God standing against that sin and missing out on it is all about the glory of our King. May we rally to celebrate him with all we've got. And all of God's people said... All right, so that said, we're going to be diving in today to Revelation chapter 6. So as we go, we got to make sure we remember where we were. We got to make sure we have kind of the run here. So let's start with uh, the scroll and let's throw this up. Now, this is an image that you have in your booklets back from uh, a couple weeks back. And uh, last week, very specifically, had this in the book. And notice it's got the seven seals on the scroll. This is the scroll that is something like what the father would have been holding, a roll rolled up scroll, sealed seven times over, right? And the Father in his glory sitting on this jasper throne, the white splashing light, the emerald rainbow behind the thunder statements, God in his perfect glory holding this scroll. And the cry came out, who is worthy? And it was silent, no one worthy except Jesus alone. Jesus steps up, he takes a scroll that looks something like this with the seven seals on it, and as he takes it, there is massive worship that explodes. First with 28 beings, then with millions of beings, then with billions and billions of beings. May God get all the glory. So that's where we're picking this up. Christ is holding that scroll. Those seals on that scroll need to be broken in order to open the scroll and unroll it. When you unroll it, what will be found in there, we'll find as we move along in Revelation, is the trumpets, the declaration of God and his holiness and his stand against righteousness, the trumpets, and then the bowls. Seven trumpets and seven bowls. So the seven seals seal it. Inside is the seven trumpets and the seven bulls, all right? So that said, let's just make sure we've got a little bit of a timeline understanding to Revelation 4 through 19. So you actually will see that in your books, those Revelation books that you have, page 32 there, I believe, is the starting point. So at page 32, you'll see this there, but let's throw up the first uh, banner cry here. So seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, Christ comes. This is the timeline. Seven years, and then the thing that breaks it down is the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls. Just so we're clear, that's the scroll. Everybody say the scroll, right? Seven seals holding it close, seven trumpets, seven bulls. So it's God having a plan, God's working on it, and then Christ comes, 
right? So seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, Christ comes. Everybody just say it along with me. Ready? Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, Christ comes. I'm telling you, if you can land that, if you land nothing else with all the details going on in Revelation 4 through 19, and you're like, I don't know, man, there's a lot of detail on some things, but I'll tell you this, it's seven years, and there's seven seals, and like inside there's seven trumpets and seven bulls, God standing against sin, and then Christ comes. Like, dude, if you land that, you got it, okay? That is a huge part of the big picture of what's going on. That's the timeline. All right? That said, as we dive in today to Revelation 6, and we're starting to look at these seals being opened, probably a good way to describe it is these are like preparatory wrath. It's like people getting used to a little bit of God standing against sin. Okay? That's basically what you're going to see as the seals open up one at a time. So again, our battle cry statement, let's throw the next battle cry up. Ready? For worship not for worry. Everybody say it loud, say it big. For worship, not for worry. Man, don't get distracted in as we start looking at some of the wrath that's going to come out and God standing against sin. Don't start diving into that and let worry rise up. Our worship is of the God who is so righteous and so perfect and so glorious and so stunning. He alone is worthy. That is where our worship is focused. Ready? And all of God's people set. All right, that said, let's dive in to Revelation chapter 6. Again, this starts on page 32 in your Revelation books, and then in your Bible, get to Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 1 here. And uh, here we go. Point number one, woe to the earth. Jesus will open the seven seals that usher in the wrath of God on earth. Woe to the earth. Jesus will open the seven seals that usher in the wrath of God on the earth. The seven seals that keep that scroll closed, when he opens all those and unfolds it, that's when you end up getting the trumpets and the bulls, the wrath of God coming out. So Jesus is basically opening up the seven seals. He alone is worthy. Woe to the earth is the battle cry here. And just so you know, in Revelation, you see kind of this back and forth. This woe to the earth, rejoice, O heavens. Woe to the earth, rejoice, O heavens. Just back and forth through Revelation. That's going to be kind of our two points for the day here, all right? So woe to the earth. Here we go. Point number one, and then the subpiece. Seal one. A rider on a white horse conquers through influence, not war. A rider on a white horse conquers through influence, not war. All right? That's the first seal. It says, now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals. When the lamb, everybody say, that's Jesus, right? And so you got to see John. He's like, I saw the lamb take the scroll, and there was this massive worship that just lit up the place. And then when all that worship got done, all of a sudden he goes and opens the first seal. Jesus opens it at God the Father's will. It says, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come. And I looked... And behold, and when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, John's like, whoa, man, this is what I saw. It blew me away. Check it out. He says, uh, a white horse. Uh, what color? 
Don't miss that. A white horse and his rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. This white horse and uh, white uh, has a significance here. And I will just say, if you watch the color of each of these horses that is uh, kind of introduced, the color will be connected to a word or a description within the phrase there. All right. So here we have the white and the conquering. And so this one comes out conquering and to conquer. He's taking over. He's beginning to um, basically have influence in a broader sense. Now, there are some who would say, I think the white equals holiness and and righteousness, you know, like that. We see that throughout scripture. And and then maybe they start to tie this to Jesus or to the church. And they see this kind of as a Jesus influencing moment. I will say, if you follow through with it, you're going to see that the seals have a lot of bad with them. I'm probably not leaning that way at all. I would say actually this is probably more, uh, this is a bad guy coming, this is a false peace coming, because the peace he brings is short, short lived. Hang on. So this is probably not that. It's probably more of a bad guy coming. I'll even say it this way. I think this is the Antichrist or the beast. He's stepping in. And so here we go. And notice it says that this one comes on a white horse. Victory is the model there. And uh, just so you know, when uh, Roman military soldiers won a battle, they would ride back in. The military leader would ride in on a white horse, which was a declaration of we won victory. And that's what's going on. This white horse here is a victory statement. This one is taking over. Notice it says he had a bow. Notice what he does not have. He has a bow, but no arrows, right? And this is a big deal. He's not fighting with bow and arrow. He's just holding a bow. He is a warrior, but he's not knocking an arrow and firing it. By the way, if you ever see a picture of these four horsemen and the white horse is a guy who's got an arrow, you can just be like, dude, that's not in the scripture, all right? Now you're like super informed. You're like, there should be no arrow in the picture, just so you know, okay? So he has a bow. He is a warrior, but he doesn't have the arrow knocked. He's an influencer. He speaks well. He speaks fluidly. He's able to communicate and bring people across. He knows how to be able to bring some kind of short-term unity. Everybody say short. It is short, and you're going to see it go away pretty fast, but he brings this sort of a unity. If you remember, in Daniel chapter 9, just a few weeks ago, we actually saw that the beginning of the final seven years would start with one coming in who has a high influence, and he makes a covenant with many. Daniel 9 was talking about a covenant starting with many. I think that's this guy. This right here, this white horse rolling in, he starts a peace, a covenant with many. He starts to rally it together. This is the beast stepping up, and there is some level of victory, although it's all through sweet influence and uh, maybe political influence, not through battling. It's a huge deal. Notice it says the crown was given to him, was given. And uh, just so we're super clear, that means God's in charge. God gave it to everybody say God's in charge. I agree with you. God's in charge, and God gave this to him, and he steps up with that authority then because of it. All right. So that's the first horse. Pretty quick, pretty simple as that seal rolls out. There's a conquering, there's an influencing. Seal number two, a rider on a red horse conquers with extreme violence and war. A rider on a red horse conquers with extreme uh, violence and war. It says, when he opened the second seal, and this he is Jesus, everybody say it's Jesus, 
right? Jesus is the one opening every one of these seals. So as Jesus opens the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come, and out came another horse, bright red. What color? So look for the common tie of the color to what's going on. The red, it says, and he was permitted to take peace from the earth. He was permitted, everybody say God's in charge, right? He was permitted, God is allowing this to happen for him to take peace. So the first one coming in was ushering in a form of peace. This is now even starting to make some of that wobble so that the people should slay one another and he was given a great sword. There was worldwide unrest. There was war taking place. There were people losing their lives in this moment. That's what John is seeing. So remember, these seals, this is all forward-looking, hasn't happened yet. We're going to see the seven years coming where it starts with peace, a covenant with many, and then all of a sudden it unfolds into war pretty fast, all right? Huge deal as we now see the slaying of them and the peace being taken. Seal number three, a rider on a black horse ushers in famine that runs rampant on the earth. A rider on a black horse ushers in famine that runs rampant on the earth. Here we go. In the passage it says, when he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, and when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, check it out. John's like, look at what I saw, a black horse. What color? So now watch how the color black ties to it. And its rider had scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Okay, the reality, we don't know what a denarius is. We don't tend to work with it. So just so you know, denarius really is just like a day's wage. That's really what's being said. So a quart of wheat for a day's wage. Well, we don't eat quarts of, what, what is that? So a quart of wheat is one good meal. That's what it's saying. One good meal, and you had to work all day to get it. That's all you're getting is one good meal, and that's it. Or the three quarts of barley. And uh, barley is kind of a little lower grade. It's mixed with other grains. It's maybe not the greatest food. It's a little maybe poorer element in that regard. And there's three quarts of that. So you could get three meals of a little bit not so great meal or one really healthy good meal for a full day's work. That's it. You're buying a meal or maybe three. Basically, here's what he's saying. The scales coming in in the black horse. You're seeing inflation rising. You're seeing crops damaged. You're seeing famine all over the place. There's struggle to get food. It is hard to pay for what's going on. The price is skyrocketing. Inflation is a very natural outcome of war. In fact, the reality is we're seeing that even in our own society today. We saw a little bit of a unrest with Russia and the Ukraine, and all of a sudden you have a pipeline cut, and gas goes a little bit unavailable, and then other things decide along with it, and boom, all of a sudden you're seeing it costs a ton to ship, and then people are having problems getting things moved around, and all of a sudden prices skyrocket, and you see inflation. It's really a natural outcome, and God's like, yeah, that's what's going on. You're going to see that rolled out in the end in kind of a big way. And then he says, but more than that, not just the hard to buy it, hard to get it, inflation along the way. He then says, 
and do not harm the oil and the wine. Now remember, these are commands that are coming from uh, one that was in the middle of the four living creatures. So this is a throne room command to the black horse. Here's what you can do. You're going to drive up the prices. There's going to be inflation, but you've got to limit it. It says, don't harm the oil, don't harm the wine. The reality is oil and wine were like daily staples for the people. And he's like, you can't go as far as causing that damage. A lot of times when they would get into problems with uh, crops not being available, the first thing they would do is wipe out like olive groves. They would wipe out vineyards and they would start planting a ton of barley and a ton of wheat just to try to survive. And he's like, don't make the famine so bad that it starts affecting the oil and the wine. So it's famine, but limited. It's rolling out and it's bad, but it's going to still be held in check some. That's the black horse rolling out. So God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he is working to roll these out along the way. Seal number four. A rider on a pale horse ushers in the death of 25% of the world's population. So now we see a rider on a pale horse. He says, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of four living creatures say, come. And I looked and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, don't forget, man. Each one of these is Jesus holding the scroll and popping the seal and the next and the next, and now we're up to the fourth. He's broken the first seal, and white horse came, and there was a false peace, and it didn't last long. He broke the second seal, and you saw a red horse, and there was wars and rumors of wars, and you saw life being taken and blood being shed, the red horse. And then the black horse, and inflation started rising, and you saw it really hard to get your food for a day, and man, this was a huge famine moment. And now we see this pale horse, as it says here, and uh, it says, when the fourth seal was opened, behold, I looked and I saw a pale horse. Just so you know, that actual word there isn't really the word pale. It's a word called ashen, which we tend to not know much of. But it basically means like a cream greenish color mixed together. Okay? It's like a creamish greenish kind of combo that, ready, I'm going to get a little graphic, okay? So it's kind of like what you would expect to happen to a limb if it got gangrene or to a body if it had passed away and it sat for a while. It's a nasty color, all right? I'm done describing it. Let's just put it this way. It's not a color you want to put on your wall, okay? Like it's that. Like this is that kind of nasty greenish palish, whatever, okay? So if you're looking down and you see our horse is a little greenish and you're like, that doesn't look pale. Correct, right? That's where we're going with the drawing piece. Um, this is a huge deal as you're seeing sort of this statement of nasty, greenish, uh, ugly. It says its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And then Death and Hades were given authority. Everybody say God in charge. They were given authority. They were given authority over 25% to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth to kill with sword and famine and pestilence and wild beast. Basically, all of the stuff that had come before is now swelling up and getting worse. You're seeing war take over. You're seeing it all over the place. People killing people. Notice it says 25%. 
And the description is that not only through war was it happening, but also through famine, the absence of food and the availability of things. And more than that, it says through pestilence and wild beasts, like through disease that would affect people, disease that would affect the crops, through all of that, and even wild beasts going out and starting to tear people up. 25%. Now, we don't know what that means. Maybe it's like a whole portion of the, like it's just all of North America, you know, it takes 25% out in one swatch, or is it 25% peppered all over? We don't know. But one-fourth, and man, I'm just telling you, this is a huge deal. When we went through COVID, not that I like saying that word ever, but when we went through COVID, you're talking about point something percent, very, very small, compared to 25%. We are talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions, even billions of people. Now, the reality is the exact number is unknown because at some point here, the church is rapturing up and probably already raptured out by here, very potentially true. And in fact, we're going to be talking more about the rapture when we get uh, into the class on those Wednesday nights. That'll be one of the pieces we'll talk through and kind of extend into. But the reality is the church may already have been called out of this, but whatever number is left, one-fourth gone through massive, nasty whatever, diseases, and maybe even that's biohazard stuff, and wars, and killing, and all the rest. Even wild beasts tearing it up. Dude, I don't even know what that looks like. Like, why do we have that problem? I know, like right now, it's January, and uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but in January, the coyotes start running. So we actually have coyotes running in our backyard every once in a while throughout the week. And uh, it's like mating season. They're running around trying to feed more. And so we have coyotes kind of back and forth. We've got to be like, we're going out with a flashlight, checking all the time. Like when we walk our little dog, who's just like this perfect little morsel of food to eat, you know what I'm saying? We have to go out with and protect them. And that's just a couple of coyotes in the backyard once a year for a little bit. I can't imagine when it all goes loose and even wild beasts are taking down not little animals, but human beings. Man, it's starting to go unglued. And these are the four horses that get released. Uh, I'll say it this way. People call these the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are just the start. Man, we're still just opening the seals. We haven't even begun to open the scroll and begin to read inside, and this is what's going on. Granted, it's very limited in space and what's happening, but these are some bad things going down, and it's just from the seals being opened. These four horsemen, let's go ahead and throw the pick up on the screen, and you guys have this in your book as well. You can see the four horsemen, the white horse with the bow, and the red with the sword, and the red bloodshed that comes with, and the scales with the black horse, right, and the famine, and the, and the problems with inflation, and then the pale horse, ashen horse, and death that comes there. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and in fact, these four horsemen match very well to Matthew chapter 24, the first handful of verses, as Christ says, here's some of the signs that you're going to see, and these things rolling out in time over and over and over throughout the years, and you kind of see the peace, and then war, and then inflation, and then death, and then a cycle back to peace again, and right, you see that going on, but this will be the final run. This is the four horsemen of the apocalypse as we walk into the end, the final seven years. Man, this is a huge deal. Everybody just say, God has a plan. 
I agree with you, he has a plan. And he is handling forever. He is calling and he is welcoming and he is inviting as he shows that he stands against sin. Come, trust the one who is holy. This is a massive statement of God against sin and with his holiness being put on full display. Do you know this God? And are you willing to trust him and cry out to him? May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said, seal number five, the martyrs cry for divine vengeance. Said when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the witness they had borne. When he opened the fifth seal, there were martyrs. They were under the altar in heaven. There was this, this kind of throne room moment as they are with the Lord and they're crying out. They are slain for the word of God and the witness they had borne. Notice this is exactly what John had been put on the island of Patmos for. The word of God and the testimony of Jesus. The word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And that's exactly why these people had lost their lives. They took a stand. They're like, I believe in God's word. I will not move off of it. And Jesus Christ is my savior, no matter what. And as they took a stand, many lose their lives in that moment. So as you're seeing this thing rise up, you can imagine as you're seeing things get bad and people beginning to lose their lives in more and more ways, people start saying, done with this God. Done with anybody that stands with them. And all of a sudden there's this intolerance of anybody who would stand for Jesus Christ and lives are being taken. It says, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? How long until your holiness stands firm, right? And I just thought about this this week. I wrote this phrase down. And the cry of the righteous is not... Right? The cry of the righteous is not, everybody say not, is not, oh God, please tolerate this sin. That is not the cry of the righteous. Oh God, please tolerate. Remember, tolerance just leads to approval, which leads to participation. It drags us down. It's not, oh God, please tolerate. The cry of the righteous is, how long, oh Lord? It's your righteousness. It's your glory. You're getting trampled. How long? Man, as we look at the throne room over the last two weeks, there was a reason we went so huge with that worship. Keep in mind, that is our God. That perfection, that glory, that righteousness, that one so in charge over all. He alone is worthy. That's who we stand with. How long, oh God, do you get trampled on? How long, oh God, until you take your stand for good? Their cry was to judge on those who dwell on the earth. Those who dwell on the earth. And uh, just so you know, that phrase, dwell on the earth, the exact Greek words there, I looked them up, uh, it actually occurs uh, seven times in Revelation. Go figure, right? Seven times that exact phrase shows up. But here's what it means. Those who dwell on the earth, dwell, it means they make their home here. It means done with God. Eternity is not my home. With you is not my home. This is my home. It's a description of those who are in rebellion against God. Those who dwell 
on the earth is those standing against Jesus Christ. They're like, how long until you do something? Each of those who were martyred was given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of each fellow servant and brother should be complete. They were given a white robe of holiness, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our hope, sin done, perfection on. That's our hope. And man, they were clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ here. And as this moves forward, they are actually able to celebrate. Remember now, they're not getting just a sliver of a taste of the throne room glory. They are in the presence of God Almighty in full tilt worship, clothed with the perfection and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sin removed, may God get all the glory. And God says, hang on, because there's more that will come to make the numbers complete those who were to be killed as they themselves had been, the martyrs had been. This is a huge deal. Just so you know, there are many, probably, like I said, rapture has already occurred somewhere in here, and the reality is you now have people coming to trust God as they're seeing all the horrors unfold. And they're like, surely there is a God who stands against sin, and I stand with him. And they start trusting in Jesus Christ, and then they lose their lives for standing with Christ. Those are the ones we're talking about. May God get all the glory as he truly takes care of them. Seal number six says, there are cosmological signs and worldwide disasters. Cosmological signs. I have no idea why I chose the word cosmological. Like you can write cosmic or heavenly or whatever you want there, right? But this bottom line, it's stuff in the skies, right? This massive moment going on. So there was peace, and then there was war, and then there was famine, and then death, and then there's the martyrdom taking place along the way. And it says, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, check it out. He says, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon was like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree shed its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. I love that metaphor. It's like when you picture like this fruit tree, like an apple tree, because we don't know what fig trees are, right? So an apple tree, and so picture this apple tree, and it's like frozen out in the winter, and the wind is blowing, and it's like getting shaken in these nasty old apples are falling down. He's like, like that with stars falling to the, from the sky to the earth. And, and uh, man, this huge deal, as it says, a great earthquake, a massive, thunderous earthquake, rumbling the place, worldwide rumbling. There is this huge moment of plates shifting and whatever's going on, volcanic ash exploding up and whatever's taking place as this soot just starts covering the air. It says the sun gets darkened. You have this massive effect. You know, when Mount St. Helens went off, it ended up affecting the light and the sky all around the nation. And that was one volcano. Imagine a worldwide massive earthquake and a shifting. The sun darkens all over the world. And it says the full moon was like blood. Have you ever seen a blood moon? 
You know what that is? Like those full moons, but when they rise, they actually have the color kind of orange-red. And so it's actually a times of year that it occurs, but probably this is speaking to one of those blood moons, this full moon rising that has an eerie orangish-red color with the soot all over in the sky as it just sort of rises slowly up this massive orange moon. He's like, there is a huge statement being made with what's going on with the sun and the moon and the stars that are falling, which probably an asteroid element where you're just getting a bunch of asteroids falling in and it's rattling people to the core. Surely there must be a God over this. And what's going on? I will say there are many that would say, I'll just take this as metaphorical. I think this is just kind of apocalyptic literature and this is just saying it's just gonna be really bad. And uh, I I would prefer to go with actually a little more just plain sense read here. It says that these things are going to go down. I'm going with these are real things that are going to happen. The sun darkening and the moon turning like that reddish uh, blood and the stars coming down like asteroids down. Why? Well, here's part of it. Joel chapter 2 verses 30 and 31 says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Like there are Old Testament passages like Joel 2.30 that do talk very specifically to like, this will be the sign. It's an indication of the end coming, those final seven years. And so I personally think this is probably more literal. It's actually going to be happening. This sixth seal is going to be ominous. It says the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. A massive shifting of the earth, island, like water coming up, covering islands, mountains sort of fading down in size, a huge changing of the earth and dust and smoke and junk into the air. And oh, they're very aware that God has a statement. It says, then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free. Everybody say everyone. Everyone hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Please notice this, they know whose wrath it is. They see that it is God the Father. They see that it is the Lamb, God the Son. They recognize that it is against sin, and they don't bow. All they have to do is bow. You're in charge, God. I'm done with this. I give you my life. Man, this is a huge moment of a call to worship and none come. Instead, they say, hide me. Or maybe even worse, I should have my life taken. I'm not coming before this one. The worship is held back. And man, this is a huge deal and a major miss. Seal number seven. So this jumps over to Revelation chapter eight, verse one. So it's actually jumping over all of Revelation 7. Don't worry, we're going to get back to Revelation 7. We're going to kind of lump it together with a couple of other passages, all right? And we'll come back to that. We're going to talk more about it on the Wednesday nights as well, but we'll get back to that and lump it together. But in Revelation 7, just so you know, while none were coming, then God ends up stepping up and he calls 144,000 
Jews, and he says, you are going to represent me. He marks them, he seals them, and he starts to work with them. There are saved that are coming, and you notice at the end of the sixth seal, then God seals some of his and starts to move massively and mightily. We'll get more on that in another week and another time. But to close it down with the seventh seal, it says, there is a sobering silence for half an hour because of what is to come the seven trumpets and the seven bowls of wrath. There is a sobering silence. You can imagine there is a volume, there's a worship, there's a celebration. There is all this noise taking place in the heavens. And then as Jesus goes to the seventh seal, and the seventh seal is open, they now know that at that point, the unfolding of the scroll can take place. And from the volume, Silence. Dude, that was about 14 seconds. Imagine 30 minutes of contemplating what is to come. This was just the seals being broken. The trumpets and the bowls are what's inside this scroll to be read out. In a huge way, this is a massive deal. And this is a Ha, a, a monstrous moment of celebration that God's in charge and yet a statement of what's to come. So this is a spyglass. You know what I'm talking about? Like one of those things a pirates would use. You know what I mean? Like this is a spyglass. And the reality is this is a great model of the seals, trumpets, and bowls and how they're connected. Picture this brown as really the seals rolling out. And at the end of the seventh seal rolls out the trumpets. And then from the trumpets rolls out the bowls. So in the moment that the seals have been rolled out, it's sitting here and they're like, what comes next? And as the next pieces roll out, this is what they're considering in the silence of that moment. The holiness of God Almighty and if this was just the seals, then what's inside? This brings the silence as they contemplate the holiness and righteousness of God. All right? You've got this drawing in your book, and we'll get back to that and use that to make sure we understand as we continue forward over the weeks, but that's what's going on. Point number two, behold the rejoicing in heaven Join with the heavens in storming the throne of grace in prayer. Behold the rejoicing in heaven. Join with the heavens in storming the throne of grace in prayer. It says, then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. How many trumpets? Right? The thunderous sevens. And so this begins what's inside the scroll, the seven trumpets, the declaration of God's holiness against sin. And then after the trumpets will come the bowls, the purifying work of God in this world. And this massive wrath of God pouring out. Here we have the seven trumpets set up. And it says, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. That's just a bowl, okay? A golden bowl. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. How many? All the saints. 
That's you. That's me. That's all believers of all time and our prayers pouring out. All the saints. Everybody just say, that's me. Man, you're brought into this passage here. It says, and the prayers of all the saints were on the golden altar before the throne. There was a lifting up of prayer in the moment. God, you deserve your glory and honor. Lord, it's all about you. And Lord, please move in lives on the earth. And Lord, may someone bow. May they see you for who you are. Man, in the midst of seeing the wrath of God, may we have a prayerful heart towards this earth. Not, oh God, be tolerant. Oh God, may you truly move and may people fall on their knees in worship of you. You alone are worthy. May we bring our worship. May we bring our prayer. It says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Man, our job and our call is to be in prayer that God gets his righteous glory and holiness lifted up. And then we pray for this world that God does his work as he sees fit. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Do you remember that phrase before? That's back to Revelation 4 and the throne room of the Father. And there's peals of thunder and lightning and rumblings. And now you see that exact same description and an earthquake. Each time it just keeps getting added to as God rolls it out on the earth. Please hear me. There is a massive thunderous statement. God is glory. God is holiness. God is righteous. And our sin needs to stop. Do you know this, God? Man, are you in with this king? May we worship this God with all we've got. Scripture says really clearly that we believe he is risen and we confess him as Lord. Jesus, you're in charge. You alone are worthy. May we give our hearts to him with all we've got. And man, if you have trusted Christ, that we cry out in prayer, Lord God, may you get all the praise and glory. Have you trusted Jesus as your king? Man, if not, make today the day. Lock it down. No more toying with sin. Lord God, you're in charge. May we rejoice with the heavens. Point two there, just behold the rejoicing in the heavens. Join with the heavens in storming the throne of grace. Your job and mine, to join with the heavens and worship the king. No matter what, God is righteous and perfect and holy. And all of God's people said, May he get all the praise and glory. Let's pray. 